What's up, everyone? You're listening to the 10 After 7 podcast on YouTube with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. It's episode 41. So what legend are we shouting out today? When I think of these numbers, I immediately think of one person. The first person that pops in my head when I'm thinking about a legend who wore the number. And this one's good. Because the first thing I thought about was you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who has something bad to say about this NBA legend. And there's a couple of key points about him. Kind of why he stands out amongst, really, other NBA legends. First of all, he's probably the greatest European player to ever come overseas and play in the NBA. Number two, he probably changed the landscape of the game because he's the first seven-footer who was a legitimate threat behind the arc. Great shooter. One of the best shooters ever. And his signature move, the step back, Fadeaway jumper, knee to the body, impossible to defend. We've seen players like Kevin Durant master it today. He's a 14-time All-Star. He's an MVP at 06 and 07. And he's an NBA Finals MVP when LeBron and the Big Three tried to beat him in 2011. This guy and his team said, nope, not happening. Come again next year. So shout out to number 41, NBA legend Dirk Nowitzki. Legendary name, legendary player, and if you hate him, it's probably you and not him. Because I don't, I can't find one bad thing about him. So shout out to Big Dirk. And now we get into Dodger baseball. This podcast, remember how down I was last week? Except I had faith when the Dodgers were down 3-1 in the NLCS to the Atlanta Braves. I said, this team's not dead yet. I said, this offense... Led by Mookie Betts, followed by Corey Seager, with Cody Bellinger batting in the sixth hole. They could score runs. They exploded for 11 in their one win when I was talking this last week. And they were not going to be shut down for three straight games. And if anyone could win three games in a row, it was the Los Angeles Dodgers who were the best team in baseball all season long. I said, they're not dead because they have the pitching to do it. If they win tomorrow, they got Walker Bueller for game six. And if you get to a game seven against the Dodgers, they have a plethora of pitchers that they could throw at you. And in that game seven, that is what makes this season special. That game seven, that completion of the 3-1 deficit comeback. One of the greatest games ever played in Dodger history, in my opinion. Seriously, Game 7 had it all. Plays at the plate, home run robberies, giant home runs by big-time players. So Dodgers go down in that game from the start. The game was started by Dustin May. Tony Gonzalez then came in. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh man, here we go. Dodgers offense has got to wake up at some point. We got to win this game, advance to the World Series, and take on the Tampa Bay Rays. So the Dodgers are down to the sixth inning, 3-2. to two. Kike Hernandez comes up, lefty on the mound, and I uttered the words, Kike mashes lefties. That's why he's in this spot. A couple seconds later, hits one upper deck, games tied 3-3. Three, three, three. Kike chucks his bat, goes into the dugout, loses his damn mind. His eyes look like they're in the back of his head. Fire me up. We got a tie baseball game. And then the seventh inning, one inning later, 
Cody Bellinger, who we've been waiting for to explode because he was the MVP last year, and in this year, he's the sixth hole hitter on a very talented baseball team. Has really not looked even half of himself. And last year, he won the MVP. So in the seventh inning, Cody Bellinger hits an absolute rocket. Immediately knows it's gone. Drops his bat right in front of him. Classic bat flip. Walks up the line for five feet. Looks at the dugout. Fire me up, Dodgers. Take a 4-3 lead. And in that same game, of course, there hasn't been a game that Mookie Betts has not had his imprint on. Think back to any game. Mookie Betts is doing something to change the landscape of it. He had the play on Friday night when he caught the ball at his shoelaces, threw home to try to get Ozuna, who's running home. And then we see the replay. Ozuna left early. You know why he left early? Because he knew if he went back to touch and tag up, he was going to be thrown out by Mookie Betts, who was an absolute cannon of an arm. And after that play, the Dodgers' bats wake up. Dodgers win. It's all of a sudden 3-2. Holy shit, Bueller's going tomorrow. Bueller pitches a masterpiece game. He dropped his nutsack all over that one. Bases loaded, got early. He allowed the bases loaded. Next three hitters, out, out, out. Bueller walks off the mound, drops a let's fucking go. And that's when you knew the Braves spoiled their chance. We're going to a game seven. Because in the first inning of that game, Corey Seager hits a home run. The most by a shortstop in a single series. I think he hit five against the Braves. He gets followed by Justin Turner, who also hits a home run. And you knew if Dodgers force a game seven, they ain't losing. So all the momentum on the Dodgers' side. Bellinger hits that home run in game seven. And the Dodgers go to the bullpen to find who else? The guy who I call the most valuable piece to this Dodger team, Julio Urias. For whatever reason, the guy doesn't have a pulse. Whenever his name's called upon, he has absolutely been dominant in this postseason. He pitches three perfect innings to close out the Braves, complete the comeback. Dodgers advance to their third World Series in the last four years. And when he was perfect through two, I looked at my brother and I said, listen, if Dave Roberts takes Julio out right here and brings in Kenley Jansen, this will be Dave Roberts' last game he'll ever manage for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And all power to Kenley Jansen. And those two games, five and six, he got the ball and got the job done. And you better root for Kenley Jansen. I know he hasn't been good this year, but Kenley's been a staple for the Dodgers for the last seven years. So, of course, I'm rooting for the guy when he gets the ball. But in that moment, Julio Urias is on the mound, unhittable, dominating the Atlanta Braves. You have to send him out for that ninth inning to get those last three outs. And that's what Dave Roberts did. For the first time, he said, F the analytics. Throw the numbers out the window. We're giving the ball back out to the lefty. Close this one out. Take us to the World Series. That's exactly what Julio did. The last time a guy came out of the bullpen at that young of an age, I believe, was Pedro Martinez in the 1999 ALDS against the Cleveland Indians. He pitched six innings of shutout ball. And Julio this day, three innings, was perfect. And he's been that all postseason long. He's been the guy to get the big outs for the Dodgers.
And that could be in the sixth inning. That could be in the second inning. And hell, you could go back to the game where the Dodgers exploded for 11 runs in the first inning. He got through five innings of work. He ate innings for you. Whatever the role is, Julio's taken the ball and he's gotten the job done. Still the most valuable piece. He's the one that got the Dodgers to the World Series by shutting them down those last three innings. So the Dodgers advanced to the World Series against the Tampa Bay Rays, who finally got it done against the Houston Astros, who pushed them to the brink seven games. And Tampa Bay finally gave the Astros the DOS boot. The hated ones. Out. So Tampa Bay's in. And they've been the best team in the American League all season long. And they've done it with a good bullpen. Offense that strikes out a lot but hits the long ball. And their rookie, who won the ALCS MVP, Randy Arozarena, he's been pretty dominant in himself. I think he has seven postseason home runs. I think that's more he hit all regular season long. This is the first time I can honestly say that I did not know of a player until his name was said during the postseason. And he's been great. So Clayton Kershaw gets the ball in game one against the Tampa Bay Rays, and he was brilliant. For now, just for now, the Clayton Kershaw naysayers could keep it shut because he pitched six innings, allowed one run, two hits, and struck out eight. Had Tampa off-balanced all night. Dodgers offense, base running, everything came together. They come away with an 8-3 to three win. And if you're not talking about Clayton Kershaw's performance, you're talking about the way Mookie Betts played because he did it all. Mookie Betts is the engine for this baseball team. And in this game, he became the first player since Babe Ruth to walk and steal two bases in the same inning. All I got to say about that, if Babe Ruth was stealing bases, we got to see the competition. Because Babe Ruth put down 100 hot dogs, smoked 50,000 cigarettes, and drank all kinds of beers before and after games. And if he's still in two bases in one inning, either the catcher's too drunk to realize it, or the competition level out there, I don't know. And I'm a Babe Ruth guy. He's the first baseball player I ever knew. That's why I wore number three in T-ball. My dad told me about Babe Ruth mythological figure at this point. The stories are great. That's why we bring up the hot dogs and cigarettes and beers every time we talk about him. But how that guy stole two bases, I don't know. But Mookie Betts in that same inning when he drew the walk and stole two bases, free tacos for everyone, an infield hit. Infield is in, and Mookie Betts got a secondary lead, beat the throw to the plate. Dodgers take the lead, and the rest is history. And then one inning later, he hits a home run. And the Dodgers, I think six times, six different times this postseason have exploded for four-plus runs. When this offense gets going, it gets going. They hit in bunches. They score in bunches. So it was a perfectly played game by the Dodgers, led by Mookie Betts and anchored by Clayton Kershaw's performance on the mound. 1-0 lead, but roll, slow your roll. Because the talk after the Dodgers took a 1-0 lead was the Dodgers. Are they going to sweep this series? And I think that's jumping the gun. I already mentioned Tampa Bay was the best team in the American League all year. Let's relax. It's one game. This isn't the Super Bowl. You don't need to win just one game to become champions. 
You got to play seven. It's the first one to four. So yes, the Dodgers might have absolutely played the perfect game in game one. But you got to do that three more times. And in game two, Blake Snell, lefty, Cy Young winner a couple years ago, was the pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Dodgers, which I didn't like from the start, which they've done a few different times this postseason, and it's worked. But I hate the bullpen game. I think when you say you're, pitch, you're having a bullpen game, I think when that's your game plan from the start, you're waving the imaginary white flag. You're telling the other side that we don't have a horse to shut you guys down today. We're just going to throw guys at you, see what happens, throw shit at the wall, see if it sticks. I don't think that's a good start. I think that's giving free confidence to the other team, especially when they're throwing a guy who has a Cy Young on his resume. So Tony Gonzalez gets the start. No one knows how long he's going to go. Gives up an early home run to Brandon Lowe. He only lasts a few innings. I don't think he lasted two. Dylan Floro comes in after that. And then Dustin May comes in after that. And these guys just don't have the mileage on their arms because they haven't had a role this postseason. They're just piggybacking each other. And I think the Dodgers are too good of a team, have too much talent to say, hey, we're having a bullpen game. Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May started games all season long. Their combined ERA was 2.45 in the regular season. These are guys that can go 5-plus. But for whatever reason, the Dodgers are playing a different game. They're playing a game that the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, or Rays, they should really go back to the Devil Rays. But the Tampa Bay Rays created. They created the opener. Let's have a guy face the lineup one time around and then mix and match the rest of the way. That's a low-budget approach. I know the Dodgers have Andrew Friedman, who came from a low-budget team. But the Dodgers aren't a team that should be having bullpen games, especially when it matters in the World Series. That's absurd. Tony Gonsolin had his rest. Let him go. Don't take him out after one home run, a few base runners. See what he could do. See if he settles in. Obviously, it's going to be tough from the start when you're No, your leash is short. I didn't like it at all. I don't like the bullpen game. And Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin, they just haven't been good this postseason. And I think John Smoltz mentioned it on the podcast. He said these guys just haven't been able to get into a routine. Tony Gonsolin hasn't been told more than 24 hours before a start that he's starting. These guys don't know when they're coming in. And more than any probably position in any other sport, Pitchers are creatures of habit. They like to know. And these guys being thrown into the fire at this young of an age, their first postseason, their first World Series, is kind of wild. And I know it's worked. It worked in Game 5 against the Braves. It worked against the Padres when Dustin May piggybacked Walker Bueller early on. But man, Dodgers have a decision to make. And that decision is going to have to come in Game 6 when Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin, you got to pick one or the other. And you got to give them a longer leash to try to eat up innings. Because yesterday, even in that bullpen, another reason why I didn't like it is because you threw a bunch of different arms that the Rays got to look at. And probably Glasnow in game one who pitched for the Rays, the Rays' approach was, we're going to leave him in for 112 pitches because we don't want to bring in some bullpen arms so the Dodgers get a better look at guys. You're going to eat as much innings as we can.
And it's the World Series. This is when you tell guys, hey, you're throwing. No one's going to want to come out of the game. Tony Gonzalez will throw 100 pitches for you. Dustin May will throw 100 pitches for you. They'll gut it out. So that's why I didn't like game two. Blake Snell throws a no-hitter for four and two-thirds until Kike Hernandez comes up, draws a walk. Chris Taylor hits a home run off Snell. Snell's all of a sudden out of the game. Nick Anderson, one of the best relievers in baseball, comes in, shuts the door. But the Dodgers were already down 5 nothing. The offense didn't give up. They fought, obviously, against a great bullpen. That's a good sign. But now, all of a sudden, the series is tied 1-1. And basically, the Dodgers, I think, gave that game to them. And Brandon Lowe, one of the Rays players, who I think was 6 for 56 throughout the postseason, hit two homers. And that's the guy you don't want to get hot. And I read a story that he changed his BP pitcher before the game. Basically fired Paul Hoover, who was the batting practice pitcher all season long, and said, hey, Kevin Cash, the manager, he's going to throw BP to me today. Which I guess is kind of a cool story, superstition. We'll see how that works out later on. I think you just got to attack him differently. He had an 0-2 curveball out and then a fastball by Tony Gonsolin that was just left over the plate to have him feast. 1-1, I think the series does go to six or seven games. I think the Dodgers are set up pretty damn well. Games three, four, and five. You got Bueller going game three. Going against Charlie Morton. Dodger fans have nightmares against Charlie Morton. He pitched game seven, the majority of it. I think he got the win in game seven in 2017 for the Astros. He's a phenomenal pitcher. Nasty curveball. I think him and Walker Bueller, I think that's a toss-up. But Walker Bueller's been a dog all season long for the Dodgers. Dodgers should always have the upper hand with that offense and that dude on the mound. And then in game four, the Dodgers were actually telling Julio, hey, you're going to get the start. Let's see how long you could go. And of course, Julio's going to drop his nutsack on the game like he always does. And I don't know who the Rays are throwing in that one. But if Julio's on the mound, I feel good. And then in game five, Kershaw's going to come back. And if he's any bit as good as he was on Tuesday night in game one, I'll be fired up. If Clayton Kershaw can get his second win of this World Series under his belt in game five, I think you have your World Series MVP. These next three games are so important. Then when it gets to game six, that's when I think Dave Roberts has to go Dustin May or Tony Gonsolin. Give the ball to one of those guys and say, go as far as you could go. Keep the game close and the job is done. We'll hand it over to someone else after that. But I'm giving you a leash in this game. It's the game of your life. Shove. Shove. And I hope it gets to game six because I got World Series tickets. I bought my flight. My flight is on, my way to, on the way to Dallas Tuesday morning, the day of game six. Hopefully we see a game six. But if the Dodgers clinch on Sunday with Clayton Kershaw on the bump, I'll probably cry when that happens. If Clayton Kershaw gets his second win and dominates, please let that happen. But I think it's going to be extended to six or seven games. I think people are crazy to think it was going to be a sweep after game one. But here we go. We're going to jump into some NFL picks. Obviously, last week I picked the Packers minus one and a half going into Tampa Bay, and they got their asses kicked by Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. 38-10. Disgusting. Tonight we have 
some Thursday night football, Giants, Eagles. Who's going to watch that game? Probably everyone because there's no World Series. The World Series has a day off. Baseball has a day off for the first time in forever. And then this weekend, the Cleveland Browns. Minus three and a half going into Cincinnati. This is the game Cleveland has to win. They either play up to their competition, which they never do, or they play down to it. Can we trust the Cleveland Browns at this point? I don't know. They got absolutely annihilated by the Pittsburgh Steelers, which has happened the last 20 years. Baker Mayfield apparently playing hurt. Jarvis Landry, Landry apparently playing hurt. But when you play the big dogs and you're 4-1, and one, you got your fans all happy and giddy about it and then have that type of game, that's tough. So I think Cleveland... If Cleveland's anything, if they are anything, they must bounce back against a piss-poor Cincinnati Bengals team who they should blow out. They're a three-point favorite on the road. Give me Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Why I'm putting trust in the Cleveland Browns, I have no idea. No one should. Then we got to pick them. We got to pick them between the Dallas Cowboys and Washington football team. And how the Dallas Cowboys are first place in the NFC East, I... Every year, it's funny, everyone talks about how bad the NFC East is. Because it is. It has been. It's so bad that the Dallas Cowboys can get boat raced on Monday night by the Arizona Cardinals in Dallas and still be holding on to first place in the NFC East. And that's a pick against the Washington football team. I don't care if Andy Dalton's your quarterback. You should be good enough. Mike McCarthy, it's been an absolute disaster. I cannot wait till the offseason when the Dallas Cowboys don't make the playoffs and Jerry Jones has to think about firing a guy he brought in and was confident in. Moving on, Detroit Lions plus two and a half going into Atlanta. I did have Atlanta last week, and they did win the game after the firing of Dan Quinn. Probably a little bit confidence there. Carolina plus seven and a half in New Orleans. Probably won't touch that one. The Bills minus 13 and a half playing the New York Jets. And now we could actually have the conversation of the New York Jets going 0-16 this season. That's how bad they are. The Bills have dropped two straight games now. They got killed by the Tennessee Titans on that random Tuesday, then played the Chiefs on Monday night and lost 26-17, to I believe. So the Bills need a game like this to get back on their feet. And with a spread at 13.5, like always, I don't like taking that in the NFL. Anything could happen. But the Jets are so bad. And Adam Gase should have been fired weeks ago. Probably should have never been hired. I mean, everyone saw his presser with his eyes. I don't know what he was on. But the Buffalo Bills, minus 13 and a half. Absolutely. They will win by two touchdowns on the road in New York against the Jets, who will not win a game this year. And poor Trevor Lawrence probably should stay at Clemson if the Jets have the number one pick. So my two games so far, Buffalo Bills on the road, minus 13 and a half going into New York to play the Jets. And the Cleveland Browns minus three and a half on the road against Cincinnati. Why I'm taking road favorites, who the hell knows? I'm just trying to give you guys the worst picks possible so you could fade me and win money. If I was hit or miss every week, I would have no value with these picks. But my picks have value because I've been so bad that you could absolutely go opposite and win. I think the Packers having a minus four going into Houston's a little bit I mean, Houston's lost a very tough game to the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are undefeated. I don't know what to think about them. Derrick Henry 
is an absolute monster of a football player. I don't have to tell you that. All you have to do is watch highlights of him running 95 yards and outrunning an entire defense at 6'8 and probably 260 pounds. Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Tennessee Titans, probably the game of the week. The undefeated teams. Pittsburgh's plus one. It's basically a pick em in Tennessee. Tennessee keeps winning. Tannehill looks absolutely great. Who am I going to take? I'm taking... I'm going to take a road dog for my third pick. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers plus one. I think they win outright in Tennessee. Tennessee gets their first loss of the season. So there you have it. Pittsburgh on the road plus one at Tennessee. Buffalo on the road favorite minus 13 and a half against the Jets. And the Cleveland Browns, please, for once, figure it out minus three and a half on the road against Cincinnati. There you have it. We have World Series baseball all through this weekend. I'm going to be at a wedding. My best friend's wedding, Ryan Music. I'm fired up for it. I look damn good in my suit. Tried it on last night. Probably should have tried it on a week ago. But I'm going to have lots of beers. And then I'm going to come home after that. After a wild weekend. Probably still drunk. And hopefully celebrate a Dodgers title. And if I don't celebrate it on that Sunday. I'll be in Texas on Tuesday. Absolutely losing my mind. At Globe Life Park. Fire me up. Thank you for tuning in to the 10 After 7 podcast. You could follow me on Twitter at 10 After 7 or on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers.